0: And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts sang, Come and see, and I saw, and behold, a pale man, and his white mustache that sat on him was named Death, and Trump followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with bigotry and with lies and with nukes. And so the mustache commanded Go ye forth and embrace the void.
1: Warning This podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people.
0: Welcome, friends, to episode 36 of Embrace the Void, where we try to find the right way to say all the terrible things that need saying. I am your host, Aaron, and with me, as always, is the wind beneath my lead balloon, GW. How you doing, G-Dubs? I'm good. <laughs> lead balloon. <laughs> right. How's things? Uh, Pretty good. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. It's, got back from your uh, conference okay uh, and everything? Yeah, it's...
2: It's sort of like I, I've been so busy since the beginning of the year that it, it feels like, you know, getting off of uh, one of those like regular walking treadmills on, in an airport where like you mm-hmm. forget how to walk for a second. Right. Back to normalcy. Yeah. So I went from like insanely busy to now my normal schedule, which is just like it's just weird.
0: hmm. That's good. At least you get a break. Sort of. Yeah. Relatively we were out looking for places in jersey considering uh looking to move out there it's so tricky man there's such a hard it's, it's one of those situations where i'm like made so angrily painfully aware of the realities of our world in so many different ways because we're like trying to find a space that is a good balance for us and is respectful of various other factors and at the same time it's like cuz of the areas that we have to look at that that are slightly less safe or maybe more than slightly less safe, there's the fact that while it might be fine for me to walk home alone at night, there's a real concern about whether Lou can walk home alone at night. And it's just, it makes you so painfully aware of how restricted certain spaces are for certain people at certain points in time, merely because of who they are. I
2: mean, you should just, you know, think
0: about changing your curfew for her, and maybe that would be (laughs) a better... Jesus. Oh... Oh, buddy, I got to send you to, to sex-free
2: education or something. My, wearing my misogynist hat. Some people don't realize how, like, sometimes I don't do the, like, sarcastic satire well. Like, my voice is uh-huh. a bit too convincing.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think maybe the concern might be the frequency with which you go there. Mm.
2: Um, because of how much I find it to be absurd.
0: Right, right. Which I understand. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, we've gotten some feedback on episode 32 um, with This Week in News with Kevin and Benedict, Kevin and Benedict, um, who were great and um, definitely still should should be checking out their show. We got a little feedback about our use of certain pejoratives while we were dragging certain individuals, um, specifically that those pejoratives seem to have homophobic uh, connotations to them. Um, and I wanted to mention that we were aware of the concern and that it is something that we do take seriously, uh, and that it is also something that we want to have a discussion about, I think, because um, i I'm very sympathetic to the concern, but also um, want to have a discussion about which terminology is still problematic in the current day and age, and ways in which it could be problematic or not and and proper usage. Um you know, like we were talking before we were recording that like we the word cocksucker, which is one of the ones that's that's been brought up, is one that, that we both I think get from Deadwood, and that Deadwood has a very Shakespearean capacity for its use of such pejoratives, but at the same time, there is the negative connotations that go along with it towards the individuals that it is referencing. So yeah, I think it's a good it's a good point, and it's something that we we try to be aware of and are not always perfect about, but also want to have a conversation about. I think.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm sort of looking forward to it because, uh, uh, you know, I have only my current understanding, and I try as best as possible to have understanding of, of other perspectives as much as possible. So for me, like I don't see it, and and uh, I am open to being corrected for sure.
0: Yeah, so if you think that that would be an interesting episode topic, um, maybe shoot us a tweet or a message on Facebook or something and let us know that um, you think it'd be interesting to have that discussion more and any individuals you think would be good guests to have on, for maybe potentially a couple of guests to have a nice um, round set of positions about the topic. Uh, and also what your personal perspectives are on things like use of the word cocksucker as a pejorative and whether that is homophobic or misogynistic or both or neither
2: yeah and it could also even be open to other terms i think we're we're even thinking sure. about doing an episode just on that terminology. that type of so you terminology. know things like yeah.
0: um douchebag is another one that comes Douche up Douche canoe is my uh, favorite right um so yeah uh hit us up with your thoughts on various kinds of language like that and we can do a little bit of SJW philosophy of language. Yes. Yeah, so I guess we will, let's get on over to our interview. We got a really great interview this week. Uh, Ina from the Polite Conversations podcast, uh, aka Nice Mangoes on Twitter, uh, had a really, really great chat about a bunch of, just a couple of different issues that we've brought up on the show. So yeah, let's head over there. What's Chang doing? He's getting a refill on his void. Today, we are welcoming to the show uh someone that I am a big fan of, a, another podcaster, Ina, aka uh Nice Mangos, aka host of the Polite Conversations podcast. Ina, would you like to say hi to the Void?
1: Hello. Thanks for having me on.
0: No problem. Uh, we're so glad to finally have you on. Um so maybe uh, give us a little bit of sort of what your background is and, and what you currently work on with stuff. And then we can dive into uh, the various topics that we were hoping to get to today.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm basically a an ex-Muslim podcaster, illustrator, and blogger. I started off writing about sexuality in Pakistan and the Muslim world. And that sort of crossed over into how Islam impacts sexuality in the Muslim world. So then I started focusing on religion a lot and politics. And now, unfortunately, I don't write enough about sexuality. It's mostly just religion and about bullshit and the atheist scene, (laughs) which is sometimes like religion ish ish yeah
0: so that's where your art comes from i guess i think i think the first um interaction i ever had with you was actually seeing some of your drawings of um uh, women engaged in um enjoyable activities and done with beautiful like map like maps of the middle east across them and things um i really love that series i was curious maybe if you could talk about sort of when that started and how that arose for you
1: yeah, that was just something that I was thinking about a lot. Uh, it's called International Relations. And uh, it started off basically just me thinking about India and Pakistan and how they're always like locked in this love hate relationship. And so I thought it'd be interesting to depict them as lesbians making out.
0: Yeah, I love the lesbian part of it. It's. <laughs> it, it- of course I mean, you obviously do. I do, right, first and foremost, but then secondarily I do because it inverts the tropes of that, like, these are hyper-masculine cultures, it feels like, and so obviously making them women, like, so you go ahead.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, and so I did one of Saudi Arabia getting, uh, you know, receiving cunnilingus from USA.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if anyone wants any postcards of those, you can give me a shout
0: All right, fair enough. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. They're really, really pretty things. Um, So you said you sort of, you do mostly are stuck with politics these days, I guess, without forcing you to say anything that'll get you um, harassed on Twitter. Um, How are things going in Canada these days? I feel like we don't, south of the border, we don't get to pay a lot of attention at the moment for reasons.
1: Yeah, you know, you guys are a bit busy down there.
0: (laughs) We got a few things going on. It's fine. Everything's fine.
1: I might be having some presidential dick pics soon here.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. I can. Speaking of politics and sexuality, right?
1: (laughs) Right, right. Oh, yeah, that should be a series.
0: Oh, yeah. Can you do, you know, a series of Donald Trump being pegged by Middle Eastern women? That would be a thing that I would absolutely buy postcards of.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, why? You know, I've done some illustrations of Donald Trump. Yeah. Actually, yeah.
0: I think there could be a market there.
1: There's no pegging ones, unfortunately. Mm, (laughs) But um, what were we saying? Yeah, politics (laughs) in Canada, right. So.
2: (laughs) Got distracted by Trump's penis again. (laughs)
1: Again! Hate when that happens. (gasps)
0: Oh, good.
1: Oh, but um, yeah, you know, we kind of feel it too. Whatever's going on with you guys, it's really close to home. Like we've seen the whole sort of environment tense up around here and the polarization become more extreme. Like our right wingers are more oh no, you know, em- like emboldened. I mean, yeah, more emboldened to hear more about racist incidents and just like, you know, white nationalists coming out of nowhere. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, thanks, Trump. Um but
2: it's sort of like when you when you pick up the rug and all of a sudden all of the little critters scatter. Right,
1: exactly. And so then, you know, as someone who isn't 100% on board with everything on the left, or, you know, as someone who used to actually criticize the left fairly often, I feel like this is not the time or space for me to do that because it's just not... Uh, a comfortable political environment where you can have a grown-up conversation right now. Anything you say will be held against you as well as the entire left. So, like, the the criticism of Justin Trudeau is, like, over the top. Like, I'm not, you know, such a huge fan of everything that he does, but, you know, I am not going to jump on that, cri- on that um Trudeau is an Islamist and there's like pictures photoshopped of him like uh, in a burqa and Kathleen Wynn. I mean, these people like Jordan Peterson is always, always like sending mobs after people. It's just become a really nasty um, Mm -hmm. environment, even though it's nothing like I'm sorry. It's nothing like what you guys are going through. And I apologize if I sound like I'm complaining um, about what you have. And you have every right to. But we're not. As, you know, perfect and idyllic as people might think. There are plenty of racists being emboldened in Canada, too. So, worrying yeah. times.
0: No, I think that's that makes sense. Do you feel like it's not just the racism stuff that's being emboldened, but some of the, the masculinity kinds of issues that we're seeing, you know, become a, a, a strong niche market for people like Peterson?
1: Yeah, like a lot. I mean, Peterson is our monster
2: right so it's interesting wait 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 until he runs for prime minister oh my
1: gosh i might have to like immigrate somewhere else
0: (laughs) do do canadians have like a bloke kind of trope character the same way that like some other cultures have sort of the quintessential masculine character i feel like i I, of course
1: that you know that hockey loving beer loving mm -hmm, right plaid-wearing Canadian stereotype, right? right?
0: The ancestors are trappers and things, I guess. I could, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious, we were talking a little bit before we started about toxic masculinity, uh, because you talk about that a lot in uh, various different cultural contexts. Obviously, you're coming from the um, the Islamic, uh, or the ex-Islamic context, so you have male suicide bombers as an issue, but you know, you've also got uh american style domestic terrorism and the the mass shootings that keep happening over here and then you seem to have like you're saying this simmering um you know tension between the sexes that is still going on that's being exacerbated by you know the me too movement not in like their fault but in the sense of it's bringing a lot of things to the surface in response to individuals like donald trump um but i think you were saying that you you have some issues with the idea of the term masculine toxic masculinity
1: well, I just try to stay away from those like those terms. Like I don't identify as an intersectional feminist or I don't, you know, when I talk about these things, I don't use terms like toxic masculinity just because I'm sometimes I'm trying like I'm trying to reach an audience that may not otherwise hear it. Right. Like I, I feel like sometimes the left uh, makes that inaccessible to people mm-hmm. that are just on the edge. So I try to stay away from terms like that just so that I can reach maybe more people that would not have listened otherwise.
0: Yeah, I I get that. I feel sort of somewhat similarly about the term privilege. I think that it can be a useful term in academic settings, but often when you're talking to human beings, the connotations feel too judgmental. So it's often useful to talk about that.
1: I don't feel as strongly about that because it it just seems like a very obvious thing. Like some people are more privileged than others. Like it's not attaching something like toxic to it. You know what I mean? Privilege seems like if, well, yeah, some people are, some people are privileged. It's why even deny it? Like, I don't understand the reaction to the term privilege, to be honest.
0: It's funny. I don't understand the reaction to the term toxic masculinity in, much, in, in different, slightly different kinds of ways. So I, I think it, it may point to the fact that sometimes, I mean, like humans all have a slightly different interpretation of language. And so there may not be a perfect term that is going to get all audiences to hear what you really mean and not, you know, hear it through their own defensive lenses.
1: Yeah, in the same way, I won't, like, recoil from people that use toxic masculinity in the way that some people would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just advise that people use that carefully and try to explain what it means better. Because a lot of times people are not understanding what is meant, and they just think that people are saying that masculinity in general is toxic.
0: Which seems weird to me, because if that were what we were saying, what we would say is men have to be protected from masculinity but what we're saying i mean like if this is what i was was arguing with someone on twitter about this earlier right if i say uh men need to be protected from toxic milkshakes right no reasonable person thinks that i'm saying all milkshakes are necessarily toxic but when we put the word masculinity in there i think because people are much more defensive of masculinity than milkshakes not everyone but part of them right right because it is a part of them right exactly
1: milkshakes are not a part
0: of them so right and so they hear it as yeah. and, and and
1: pardon
2: and we know that they bring all the boys to the <laughs> yard but i wonder i i wonder if it has to do with not to go back to trump specifically but you know his slogan make america great again right it it if you think about it it's a brilliant slogan because my idea of great your idea of great like it's it's a really ambiguous term and so i wonder if What's happening is things like toxic masculinity, right? I have an idea of what I think that term means and someone else may have a different idea of what that term means. Uh, and so there's almost like this baggage or something that comes with the terms that if we're not yeah. careful, you know, we, we try as much as possible on this show to be clear with our terms and make sure that we try to define them so that, that as we continue to use them, people know what we're referring to. Yeah. So,
0: so let, let's say that we've, we've, run to ground the problem of terminology for a second and maybe talk up. see if we can actually try to manage to get to the conversation on content, because it feels like so many times in these conversations, we never actually ever get to have the conversation about the content. Do you feel like there is a consistent problem across several different cultures that has to do with the way that men are being raised and habituated and, uh, having certain cultural expectations enforced upon them that is leading to various kinds of problematic behavior that we see?
1: Yeah, absolutely. All the way from like uh, being attracted to violence uh, to just being entitled.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like there are maybe key differences some between these different cultural views? Or is it really just like they're, they're fairly interchangeable? Like when it comes to the machismo of a Spanish culture, the the um, the machismo of a, a Islamic culture—is it mostly the same kinds of like basic tropes?
1: Well, I think when religion gets thrown into the mix, it's mm-hmm. a bit different. Mm-hmm. So you know, people are—it's not just—it's not just socialization. Then you have like your your whole like. Um, afterlife at stake and you know you could rot in hell forever if you don't abide by so the stakes are higher so i guess it's not the same Mm -hmm. but maybe the core there are some core points that could be along similar
0: themes yeah i think that could make sense There could be a difference there just in terms of intensity at least do you feel like there are times when it is good to have that kind of tribal or cultural or communal identification and conditioning? This is sort of going part and parcel with the the toxic masculinity versus normal masculinity question. Like, is it good to have a healthy vision of masculinity? And is it good to have, you know, to be identified with certain things like, if not Islam, other communities or other groups?
1: I think that that's just a need, right? Like, people want to belong,
0: I don't know, because I have, you know, half of Twitter tells me I don't belong to any group or community or ideology as if that. To say that's
1: their that's their group. I know. The group of people that say that that's their tribe. I know. (laughs) Um, But I mean, of course, there are like I remember thinking about tribalism in this way. I was at this little um, community dog show thing. And they tried to like get people pumped up when the dogs were doing jumps. So they divided <laughs> the, um they just divided the hall by like people who were on this side of the hall and people who were on that side of the hall. And so people on that side were like cheering for this dog and people on this side were cheering for that dog. And so that really pumped people up. Like people got really into it. That was really their their team all of a sudden, you know, even though you have no prior connection with one dog or another. First, people were, like, really indifferent watching the show. And then when they did that, it made a big difference. So I was like, that's interesting. Like, sometimes, I guess, even, you know, even for sports and things like that, sometimes tribalism can be good and playful in that way. But when it becomes serious, when you start, like, shunning people and neglecting people, and I, I mean then it gets bad. But I think that there are some things that society should rightfully, I don't want to be one of those people where there's like no consequences for any ideas you hold whatsoever. I think, for example, like being a Nazi, I think there should be societal consequences for that. Being an Islamist, I think there should be societal consequences for that. And if there were more consequences in a country like Pakistan, then people would think harder before they went to that extreme.
2: It's almost like there's a fundamental thing with all of this, which is just about anything—I mean, not everything, but just about anything in moderation is fine. It's when things get taken too far, like, you know, smoking pot is totally fine in moderation, but it— but. Clearly, would be bad if you were doing nothing right, except right. smoking pot for twenty four hours a day. Right, you have to do at least one podcast
0: as well. <laughs> <All> right, <that's, laughs> right, that counts.
1: Podcasting in excess right. is very bad as well.
0: It's true. Tell me about it. Yeah, just ask <laughs> I Thomas about that.
1: <laughs> I honestly, I wonder how. How is that humanly possible? I don't know. What what he has like six podcasts or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't judge because he's an enabler for me. So, <laughs>
1: don't tell him I said this, but I think he's a robot.
0: I mean, he's a robot. It's true, actually. I built him. Ah. Yeah, and and Andrew is from yeah, the future,
2: go. so we know we know these things.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this is interesting because it ties in with what we were doing last week. We did um, a primer on evolutionary psychology, and we were talking about you know the features of human psychology that appear to be important parts of how we evolved and i do think that the tribal mentality stuff is clearly an adaptive advantage and that it can continue to be an adaptive advantage in certain situations like you were saying it it can allow for community and uh, interconnectedness but it can also be taken to a maladaptive kind of place where it starts to be really harmful to members of the group
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and i want to continue
2: the uh sports metaphor you were starting with i'm just gonna is, say though before right, you
1: continue is that i know absolutely nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> about sports and i hate sports and yeah my husband is like the ultimate sports fan and good, so
0: some good tribal signaling right there. well I, all, all i was gonna say is
2: right with sports you know having a team and you know going into that heraldry is totally fine and healthy it's when you know they win the world series or they win some big thing and you go out and riot and flip cars right, right? Or that's heard that's murdered, where it goes too like, far
1: you know they've murdered soccer players and stuff or... oh, it's ridiculous
2: mm-hmm. yeah people get into fist fights and and people get seriously hurt because of it which is clearly not okay and you know part of that might be because of you know alcohol and things like that but it's
0: still it's it's the thing which is sports that's enabling right. it right mhm so, what do you identify with these days, then? What groups do you all feel like? Oh, you know, I've gone through places?
1: this, uh, like, f- so for so long, like, just looking for. Something to identify with, I think. I've been an uh, outsider for much of my life. Like, I never quite fit in with the Pakistani community. I grew up in Saudi Arabia, and I was constantly told that I'm a foreigner there. So Because if you're not like Saudi, like Saudi, Saudi by blood, then you're not welcome there, even if you're born there, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're constantly, like, there's like two... There's like a two-tier system in Saudi Arabia. Like, it's open racism. You're paid according to what passport you hold. Sometimes Saudis can like threaten you with getting you like uh, deported just for like, I don't know, talking back to a Saudi. the The law and order system in Saudi Arabia is so ridiculous that people that aren't Saudi are very disadvantaged, and they would always take a Saudi person's like word. Likely over a non-Saudi person's word. So one time we were looking for parking at a mall, and we got the last spot. And then this guy, the Saudi guy, was like honking, and because you know we're women, we're women like me and my mom and my sister mm-hmm. were in the car. We had to be driven there. We had a driver. Our driver spoke Arabic. I mean, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I don't really speak Arabic, but shows how separately we lived our lives. Um, so the Saudi guy comes and starts yelling at our driver in Arabic and says that get out of the parking spot um because I'm Saudi. So you need to give it to me, or I'll get you uh-huh. like I'll get you thrown out of my country or some some shit like that. So I asked him, what did he say? And so my driver explained to me what he said, and I was like, Are you serious? So I got out of my car. My mother's like, Don't, don't go. You know, I was so mad. I like poke my head into this guy's car and I'm like, you know, what the fuck do you think you're saying? Like trying to get us to move just because you're Saudi, you're owed this parking spot. And then I you know, sometimes people get intimidated by very fluent English. So he's like, Okay, okay. And he backed off. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I wouldn't have expected that they would that he would back off. I would think that A woman talking to him would be a a doubling down kind of situation. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Sometimes it would, but if there's an indication that you have some sort of like important country Uh backing you, like if you might be connected to a Western country, then then sometimes people are like, Oh, okay, this person's connected to the West, so I can't mistreat them. However, if I was just Pakistani, then you could like throw me in a ditch and it doesn't really matter.
0: Uh I'm curious, I, I mean, I've never seen pictures of you. Do you pass uh, to some extent as Western or do you feel like.
1: Uh, well, I look like a very. Uh, I guess my features are very South Asian, but like I always have colored hair and piercings and tattoos, but that doesn't matter in Saudi Arabia because I'm in an abaya. So like uh-huh. I'm wearing a black cloak and a All black right. scarf.
0: So it doesn't <laughs> it's like... not really a factor.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my skin is brown. So
2: yeah it, it's it's interesting how uh the, everything related to groups seems to relate to power in some way and and I'm saying that even as an extension of in a very basic tribalistic kind of a way that you know survival of the group uh and survival is there's power in numbers right and that uh that can be taken to an extreme where people assert their group in order to assert power over someone else
0: yeah I think that's uh, that's obviously a, a substantial problem. Um speaking of, do you identify as a skeptic or a member of the skeptic community?
1: <laughs> no, because
0: <laughs> that was a totally unloaded question. I don't know why you would laugh. It was apropos of not leading the witness at, at all of nothing. for Binowitz.
1: Uh well, you know, that that term has become synonymous with idiot now.
0: So <laughs> Oh Jesus. <laughs> uh. I thought, you, I thought you were to soft pedal that one a little bit more <laughs> No um,
1: I mean when I think of uh, the people that are identifying as skeptics I'm like thinking of people that pedal Prager You happily or um, you know like Jordan
0: Peterson People, people send uh, the only people who send me you are like conservative people do you, are there really like, quote unquote, centrist skeptics who think that Prager U is a reliable source of information?
1: Have you heard of uh, skeptic.com?
0: No. Should I should I have a look?
1: So you've heard of Michael Shermer, right? This is a tweet of his. Why skepticism is important. My dialogue with Stefan Molyneux, one of the most articulate podcasters for reason. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> most it, articulate
0: oh i just tried to watch a molyneux pod, uh a video and i'm trying to remember what the insanity was that he was that he laid out oh it was that um anti-natalism is a conspiracy against smart people to weed them out of the population and dumb them down because the government prefers dumber people and only smart people would understand the arguments of antinatalism. it was it was real choice stuff
1: Michael Shermer is full of choice stuff.
0: Yeah, well, he was, you know, backing the the uh, conceptual penis hoax and like, yeah, I, I can understand why you might have some skepticism towards the term skepticism. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what do you th- like, like? Let's tie this back to our tribalism issue. Does it seem like it is a, a tribalism gone awry kind of situation with people like Lawrence Krauss? Or are we really just like off to the races at this point with that problem?
1: You mean in the sense that people aren't seeing what's obviously a pattern of bad behavior towards women and just doubling down on you know how there isn't enough evidence or how we shouldn't rush to judgment things like that you mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, and how people like oh I thought I thought it was just because
0: women just weren't as smart. <laughs> I mean, that's just science, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, of course. Women women aren't aren't stable enough to deal with being harassed constantly and not get emotionally upset about it. It's, it's weird, yeah.
1: And Michael Shermer also thinks like uh, Ruben Report, who is like a promoter of this infowars type bullshit, is like one of the greatest people ever. One of the greatest interviewers. Like the thing, the people that he supports are just. It's just where's what is happening?
0: Oh, I have a car- I have a cartoon to send you after this. I agree.
1: Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And that's oh. a right-wing cartoon,
0: mind I you. Know, I know, Imagine
1: how bad you've got to be when right-wingers are making fun of you like this.
0: Yeah, it's a problem. It does seem like a pretty large blind spot that has really dug in deep. And it's, and crazy, it's crazy like, like this. Stuff oh, that yeah, like here's
1: it. Michael Schirmer's, um tweet about Dave Rubin. Dave okay. Rubin, the new king of talk, the Larry King of our time. And I discuss heavens on earth, the scientific search for the afterlife. I mean, just like, please, can you not find someone that isn't a fan of InfoWars that thinks there is a necessary space for InfoWars to plug? Can you not find
2: mm-hmm.
1: someone yeah. else other than that?
2: Nope. it's really hard for me not to laugh over you talking because it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: trying to look for the Prager U one, but I can't find it right now. But I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure.
2: I'm waiting. I'm waiting for him to be like interviewing Alex Jones, the Einstein so of like, our time. What
0: do we do though? Because like I have religious friends who are coming to me like, "What is going on with your people?" And like, why are they obsessed with these crypto Christian, traditional masculinity nonsense? And like. Should we, you know, just because these people are currently pulling in a lot of hits, do we abandon this terminology, abandon the movement and let it, you know, because this reflects poorly on us, whether we want it to or not. Like, there's no way to avoid the fact that, you know, much like people love to make arguments, well, atheists killed this many million people in the past hundred years or something like people are going to come to you and they're going to say, well, okay, you're part of the atheist or the skeptic movement. Look at how these atheists who are supposed to be better than Christians, look at how they dealt with Lawrence Krauss. Look at how like, they were completely dismissive of all this information until certain leading white males within the movement decided that they had finally been convinced. And then all of a sudden, all of the claims of wait for due process disappeared up in a cloud of smoke like how do how do we how do we re- recapture our our brand at all?
1: Well, I I don't I honestly I feel like, you know, the rug has been removed from beneath my feet and I don't know what's I don't know what's happening. Imagine like how I feel like having left Islam, having left Saudi Arabia and, you know, thinking that, you know, Yes, I found this movement of people that understands how bad these regressive ideas are, these traditional gender role things are and and now we're back we're back there, like of course, in a more polished version, like you know right. he, Peterson is no Salafi imam, but he kinda is like if a Salafi imam was um you know more educated and sophisticated and speaking a- English
0: he is to them what like richard spencer is to you know nazis pardon (laughs) yeah Uh, oh i was just saying that he is to those kinds of islamists the way that like richard spencer is to nazis you know he's he's the polished rebranded rebooted version uh to some extent
1: to some extent i mean i think richard spencer is Like the whole Nazi movement of 2018 is polished and rebranded. I don't think the whole Islamist movement has been polished yet, though we're heading there because they are really picking up on this MRA stuff from the West and they love it. And they Uh use that terminology. And there are some Islamist fans of Jordan Peterson that are like, you know, You know, we should hate feminist muslimas and brothers, do not marry feminists. Find yourself a good anti-SJW muslima to marry. And look at this great man, Jordan Peterson, preaching about traditional gender roles and questioning whether women and men can work together. We don't know. You know, like they love this shit. So they're picking it up.
0: Well that's good because in the past, when the West has foisted parts of its culture onto um the Middle East, that's always worked out well. So I'm sure this will go great for us. It's it's <laughs>
2: interesting because with all the big skeptics sort of showing their like loyalties to, you know, Krauss and things like that, it's 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 interesting because it's a bit of hubris in a way, right? The whole thing about being a skeptic is supposed to be about You know, looking at the evidence, you know, trusting experts and acknowledging that you have a bias and that you may have like an echo chamber and you have to oftentimes reevaluate your beliefs or ideas. And they're currently being confronted with one and not doing the exact thing they say they're supposed to be doing. Th-
1: this happens time and time again. I mean, look at the penis hoaxing, right? Like, how many people jumped on that blindly? And then when all the flaws about that were pointed out, even SoCal himself stepped in to say that, you know, it did not quite prove what they set out to prove, Um how many of those big name skeptics revised their views on that? Nobody.
0: Nope. Yeah, I still have people sort of poking poking that thing at me, especially when I get into arguments with James Lindsay on um Twitter, though he's muted me again now, so that we're done with that. But uh he uh <laughs> yeah, I people mute me. Yeah, no, people no. mute me. I don't know why. I'm I'm super nice, very polite, All right? And you're a white man, so like you must be an authority. I believe figure, as a white right? man, it's against the rules to mute me. I think that that's part mm, of the, the social. You to be the
1: you have to be the right kind of white man. I okay. mean, I think ideology really matters, right?
0: Having more than more than ten thousand followers, I think, would probably be the difference in this particular case. I think uh, it would flip a, flip a switch in the way. But that's, even that's if you had right. like
1: three followers and you were. Sufficiently anti-SJW, I think you'd be just fine, perhaps even elevated. That's fair. Um, just like ex-Muslims, right? All these uh, like sort of far-right supporting, right-wing supporting people who have this like ex-Muslim fetish almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, you know, support ex-Muslims, especially when they like go on Breitbart to say how you know Islamic hordes are coming in and. Just really creepy shit, right? So, when they when they come across an ex-Muslim who doesn't fit that, then all their blind support ex-Muslim stuff just goes out the window. You know, yeah. if you're like a leftist ex-Muslim, then you're just you're just as bad as any other regressive leftist.
0: Right? Well, it's just tribalism again, I guess. Back back round and round.
1: Where they told me, a woman who you know, grew up in Saudi Arabia, that I was not sufficiently suppress- uh, oppressed in, in Saudi Arabia.
0: Right. Yeah, you got to have some oppression Olympics thrown in there. <laughs> so sadly, I think we Very are um, out of time, unfortunately. But I wanted to give you a chance to plug where people can find you. And of course, we'll put a link to your art stuff in the show notes.
1: Cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Nice Mangoes. And you can find my podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash polite conversations.
0: That's great. And it's an absolute must follow on Twitter, I in my opinion. So get on that.
2: Yeah, you must you must succumb you to have this free will. tribal Just group. Do it.
0: Just do it. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, Ina, and we'll see you on the on the internets.
1: Yep. See you out there. Yeah, thanks.
0: Is
2: that what you think you are? A hero? Saved the world, didn't I? Once. Talk to me after you've done it a couple more times. So our hero of the week is Blair Braverman, which has to be the best adventurer name ever conceived. uh, Because also it's not just a made up name. They're actually like, she's actually an adventurer. Like she's like
0: a dog sled racer,
2: an author, like a nonfiction writer. She's like practically
0: Indiana Jones. Yeah, she's amazing. This um, thanks goes out to Brian Henriksen on this one as a suggestion. She is described as the 21st century feminist reincarnation of Jack London. Uh, She was first recommended to me as a really good Twitter follow, and I absolutely agree. Her Twitter is equal parts incredibly cute doggos in snow and sort of social justice-y kind of discussions. I think uh, she she might have shown up on some people's radar a little while ago for a BuzzFeed article that she wrote about uh, what she's learned from having a trans partner. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm so going to definitely that. check that one. Yeah, out. I'm going to link
2: that in our show. notes yeah. for sure, because I haven't read it, and I definitely right. want to read it.
0: Yeah, and she's just doing all of this really interesting, sort of amazing work, um, bringing attention to various issues while also uh, being a, a feminist out in the wilderness in a traditionally male-dominated situation. Yeah, I feel like we
2: found a couple of those, right? We had that that young girl mm-hmm. who was on the what North Pole, right?
0: who brought a yeah, sandwich went to both polls, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah this is basically that plus a lot more doggo pictures so I, I 100% recommend the uh twitter follow for sure and then check out the article and um some of her books sound also pretty interesting though i haven't gotten a chance to look at those yet
2: yeah there's one that's called welcome to the goddamn ice cube it's yeah. just a yeah. great name <laughs>
0: She sounds like she's a pretty solid writer, right? is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks to that one. And if you have more um hero of the week suggestions, please pass those along. We're we're looking to try to especially people who folks might not necessarily know about. We're really trying to highlight individuals who need more attention, yeah. who don't who aren't like these individuals who are amazing and are inspiring, but have already successfully broken through in, in their inspirational activities right. and
2: then selfishly then we won't go to like oh crap we need a person that we need to promote for our hero we need someone obvious oh, crap. And we have to do that right now
0: <laughs> yes so help us out um and yeah i think that's pretty much it for this one I'm I'm mostly just stuck looking at the doggy pictures now. (laughs) (laughs) What's great is that she's got sled racing pictures, but the dogs all have little booties on their feet. (laughs) So it's like all these pictures of dogs with these like fluorescent booties taped around their feet. It's amazing. (laughs) Are they big booties? They are big booties. Are they walking everywhere? They're such, oh, they're all good, cute little dogs. I need a dog. I need a dog, buddy. This is is the long and short of this hero of the week. I took a nap on my
2: partner's dog this morning, so... Uh,
0: uh, I want the thing. It's it's the cure to my void. (laughs) Yes, yeah, so we've got a great interview tonight. Um, oh, tonight, what am I doing, right? So, we've got a great interview this week. Uh, Ina from the Polite Conversations. I, I'm going to take that again just to get the fucking uh out of there. Yeah. Jesus. Come on, Aaron. Get I it together.
2: Lua. Uh <laughs> no. um Do I need to get you a me-seeks? I'm good. And he can, like, rub your shoulders? <laughs> oh, he's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do. <laughs>